0: Gracious God in heaven, for these next few moments, as we encounter your word, we pray that your spirit, which has been here in our singing, in our praying, in our reading, will continue to abide with us wherever we find ourselves today. Father, we ask that you will give comfort to us. We pray that you will give challenge where it's needed and we ask that the word of God will go forth clearly and will bring life where it's needed. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I was just recollecting over the last couple of weeks about my first ever flight, the first time I was ever on a plane. And I remembered that the first ever flight that I was on was leaving from Accra, Ghana, to Cairo, Egypt, with the final destination being London, Heathrow. I was seven years old and I was traveling with my mother. And after the awe-inspiring event of being on a plane, in fact, the picture which you can see is the first ever passport photo that I had taken, seven years old, on a plane. And I remember after that event thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I could be a pilot? If I could be on a plane and I could fly the plane. And so, like all kids growing up, and particularly for me in first grade or year one, I started to think about what I might be. And this, in fact, is my first grade class. And I look at it and I remember Kelly, I see Claire, I see Leon, I see Mariama, I see Waseem, I see Iqbal, I see Noreen, I see a whole host of people. And we all had our dreams about what we would be and what we would do when we grew up. My list. Uh, consisted of some of the usual suspects and a few different ones. I went through a phase of wanting to be a rugby player. And then I thought, no, 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 I want to be a firefighter. And then a doctor, maybe a lawyer, before finally realizing my call to pastoral ministry. And I think we all dreamed as children about what we would do and what we would become. Some of you Uh, listening today thought you would climb the highest mountain. Some of you wanted to be astronauts. You wanted to go to the moon. No, no, actually to Mars. Some of you wanted to be ballerinas, to be scientists, to be explorers, to be artists, to be chefs, to be teachers. We all had dreams. Inevitably, we grow up. And when we grow up, we recognize that some of our dreams are, in fact, fantasies. And we grow up and we accept reality. But when we grow up and we accept reality, for many of us, we also let go of the adventurous spirit of becoming everything that God has created us to be. We let go of the spirit of adventure, of the glorious ideals that come to us as we are growing up. Eugene Peterson calls this the exchange of childhood aspiration for adult anemia. And in our sermon series this winter, we are going to go through the life of an ancient prophet, the prophet Jeremiah. And we're going to see what it looks like to be fully alive to live into the purpose and into the calling of what God has for each of our lives. Now, for some of you who may be familiar with the Bible, you may wonder, Andreas, you're going to go to the book of Jeremiah to try to give us an idea of what a full purposeful life is. Jeremiah is known as the, uh, as the morning prophet, is he not? Jeremiah seemed to go through a lot of difficulties. How can he be a paragon for us of how to live full embodied lives? You will see. We're going to look at his story with fresh eyes. And we're going to see how in the midst of difficulty, we can actually live into the life God has for us. We will see how each of our lives is in fact, a fresh canvas for the artistry of God to be displayed to the world. And it happens as we commit our lives to be apprenticed in his ways. Now the book of Jeremiah is a story. It's a story about identity. It's a story about purpose. It's a story about participating in God's initiating action in the world and fully living into God's desires for us. Jeremiah will teach us that when we live a God-conscious, God-directed lives, we in fact become more fully human. Often you may hear or at least feel That when you follow God, your life becomes diminished. That your desires must become truncated. That who you are as a human being cannot uh, be encapsulated by the breath of what God has for you. But in Jeremiah's story, we'll find the very opposite to be true. That when we live a God-conscious, God-directed life, we become fully human. The story of Jeremiah, and you can find the story in Jeremiah chapter one, where we'll begin. Jeremiah starts in a town called Anathol, a small village that nobody would have noticed. You know, the type, a village with just a petrol station, with a grain silo and perhaps a church. The kind of village that if you're driving through, you have to go from 50 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour just for a few seconds as you pass through the town. This is where Jeremiah grew up. And he probably grew up in this village, waking up every morning, knowing what he would do for that day and what he would do for every day that followed for the rest of his life because there was no serendipity in his life. He lived a very quotidian type of existence. He knew every inch of his village. He knew every blade of grass. He knew every building intimately because it's one of those towns where everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everything and nothing much changes until one day, The moment comes when we are told the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And we must slow down when we read that the word of God is coming to Jeremiah. It's important because Jeremiah up to this point in his life knew about God. He knew about God because he grew up in a priestly family and he would have been taught the ways of God. But in this moment, in this seminal moment of Jeremiah's life, scholars think he may have been around the age of 20, a young man. In this seminal moment, Jeremiah realizes that not only does he know God, but God knows him. And God knows his name, Jeremiah. A country boy in a small town in the middle of nowhere and suddenly Jeremiah is not just someone who knows God but he's known by God and God says to Jeremiah in these opening verses Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 he says i formed you in the womb i knew you and before you were born i consecrated you and i pointed and i appointed you a prophet to the nation God essentially proclaims to Jeremiah at this point of his young life. He says, young man, if you think that you have escaped my notice, you're dead wrong. If you think there is no plan for your life, you're dead wrong. If you think that you are just one person in the grand scheme of things and that you don't matter, you're dead wrong. If you think that you have never been noticed and there is no plan for your life, know that I have noticed. I formed you with my hands and I created you. This is an important moment for Jeremiah and an important moment for all of us when we come to this realization. Because you see at his birth and at all of our births, we are named. We are not numbered. Unless, of course, your father is Elon Musk. We are not classified as species of animals when we are born. We are not labeled as a compound of chemicals. We are not assessed for our economic value or our uh, potential to be able to give to a corporation. When we are born, we are named because a name addresses the fact that we are uniquely. Human. A name recognizes that I am a person and not just someone who is numbered. And nobody, my friends, can assess your significance by looking at how many followers you have on TikTok. Nobody can assess your significance based on how many connections you have on LinkedIn. Nobody can determine your worth by deciding the salary that they want to pay for you. No one can know what is in the intimate parts of your heart based on looking at your grades or the transcript when you graduated from college. Nobody can fully know you by measuring or weighing or analyzing you, but God, he knows you. God says, I made you. And these are words of divine investment. I don't know about you, but if you've ever made something, you know, made something yourself, not just went online, went to Amazon, got it two day shipping and then just throwing it in your house, but you made something. You know that you have a different relationship with something you have made and invested. I think just this past summer, And summer seems so long ago because right now we are in a winter storm in Walla Walla. It's beautiful, but it's cold and summer is a far memory. But I remember last summer when with the help of Pastor Troy and with the help of Lauren Heinrich, we built some raised beds because I was going to grow some stuff and we got the seeds and we put it in and I invested my time and I watered and I looked after and I pruned and I clipped and I saw what I had invested in grow and produce fruit. I treated those vegetables differently. That basil I ate tasted different than the one I could buy from Safeway. The squash which came, look different than the one I could have bought. When you have invested in something, it means something different to you. When you have invested in a business and built it from the ground up, when you made the addition to your house, it's different. When you built the code for the website or the app, no matter how glitchy you invested in it, when you made the dress for your daughter's wedding, it was the most beautiful dress that could have been made because you invested in it. And today, God reminds us that he is invested and fully committed to our lives. Now, after hearing all of this, when Jeremiah hears that the God who roams the cosmos naming stars who was aware of everything that is going on, has seen him and has known him and has named him. Listen to Jeremiah's response. He says, ah, God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. This is one of those sentences in the Bible that if you did not read it, you wouldn't even think it's there. Jeremiah sounds like a teenager. He's like, oh, God, um, I can't do it. I can't speak, you have the wrong person. And citing his young age, Jeremiah objects. And the beautiful thing is that God listens to his objection, but he answers anyway, because for some of us, when God comes to speak words of purpose, words of promise in our life, we find it difficult to hear. We have been from family backgrounds where our worth has been shorn away and we find it difficult to believe that we have real purpose, that there is adventure, that there is a direction of our life, which God has invested in. Some of us hear these words and like Jeremiah, we have objections because we went to schools where the teachers were unable to understand the way in which we learn and we were unfairly maligned and didn't find out too much later on that in fact, we were brilliant. Some of us find it difficult to hear words like this and Jeremiah speaks for all of us when he gives an excuse to God's investment in his life and in his purpose, but God, does not let Jeremiah's excuse stand in the way of his promise. God does not let Jeremiah's youth stand in the way of his purpose. And Jeremiah would not be alone for God regularly seeks young people and people who do not think they are good enough for his divine work. We can look through the pages of the Bible and see the story of Jacob, of Joseph, of Miriam, Of Gideon, of Joshua, of Samuel, of David, of Daniel, of Shadrach, of Meshach, of Abednego, of Mary, of Jairus' daughter, and of Jesus himself at the age of 12, when their eyes are opened and they recognize that God has a purpose for their life. And so, reluctantly, as we read the book of Jeremiah, he says yes to God's call. He says yes to God's purpose for his life. And as I was going through the sermon this week, it just occurred to me. And I know we have, people who are, we have people who are watching from all over the country and around the world, but here in the Walla Walla Valley, we have a unique opportunity. In fact, I would say perhaps the most unique opportunity in all of America. What are you talking about, Andreas? Well, if my figures are right, I think, That per capita, Walla Walla has the most seventh-day Adventist of any place in North America. And within this place, we have Walla Walla University. We have Rogers. We have Walla Walla Valley Academy. We have students who are homeschooled. We have students who are going to public school. And if you put all of those young people together, there are at least two thousand young people who are at the age or younger of Jeremiah when he was called and he was giving his unique purpose by God. And so for those of us who are older, we have, uh, we have been, I believe, deputized by God and have the opportunity to partner with God to let these young people know that they are uniquely made and uniquely called. There is no place like here where we can prepare, disciple, encourage, and launch young people to practice the way of Jesus and to be his apprentices in this world. In fact, I believe here in Walla Walla and abroad, where we take the call of God seriously, we need to encourage and remind each other of the words of the New Testament writer, John, who was a follower of Jesus. And John writing to early Christians says, but friends, that's exactly who we are. He says, who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him and in seeing him, we become like him. And this is, It's an idea of maturation from being a child, from being a young person to being an adult, living fully into God's call. Although we don't see the result, we are becoming what God has purposed for our lives. And we know the goal, regardless of our profession, regardless of our gifts, is to be like Christ or in Paul's word, to be fully mature adults fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. And when I read the words of Paul, I think that Paul has a word for our generation. I talk to too many people who, whether they say it explicitly or implicitly, believe that a life of following Christ is a life that will diminish and truncate who they are. It's a life that will take away from their desires and from their hopes for the future. But friends, when we look at the story of Jeremiah, and when we look at the words of Jesus, if we accept them as reality, not as religious talk, hear me clearly, not as religious talk that we need to ascend to, but reality in the same way that gravity is real we will realize that God's dream for us, God's purpose for us is to be fully alive. It's to be fully brought into his plan and into his purposes for our life as part of the kingdom of God. And so Jeremiah kept on doing what all of us do when we're young when we have dreams and aspirations, when we live a life of adventure, when we are human, except for Jeremiah does not stop living into the fullness of his humanity. And from the age of 20 to 60, for 40 years, he lives an incredible life of faith in God. We don't know what the name Jeremiah meant. Some scholars think it means the Lord lifts up, some think it means the Lord hurls, but whatever it means, the Lord was part and parcel of Jeremiah's story and Jeremiah's identity. We realize as we go through the book of Jeremiah that God is always at work. God is always aware of the time in which we live and the moments that develop. And so God created you, my friend, yes, you, not the person sitting next to you, but you watching. He created you for this moment. He created you and gave you the gifts that you need so that you can be part of the cosmic story, whether you are seven or 70, whether you're 16 or 60, that you can be part of the story of God today in 2021. And so when Jeremiah complains and says he's too young for the challenge, he doesn't have the ability to speak, God reminds him that he created him for just such a moment that he knitted him together, that he might be a prophetic mouthpiece for his nation. And I wonder what God has planned for you, for this nation at this time. And it's like Esther who received the same affirmation through Mordecai's words to her that she had been called for such a time as this. And so Jeremiah, we see in chapter one, becomes encouraged and strengthened knowing that God had all of this in mind when he created him. He had the stuff he needed not only to survive the adversities that life would throw at him, but he was given all he needed to be able to thrive, not just survive. And we are in a time of a pandemic where there are variants, where there are changes all of the time. We are at a time of economic instability. We are a time of global complexity and change. And for many of us, it may feel like all we have is enough to be inward, and just to survive, but God created you. God has purposed a life for you in concert with his kingdom. And God, I believe has given you enough, not merely to survive, but to thrive. We have been made to serve the King and the King's agenda. And I believe we have been created for such a time and a place as this. And I'll end with what the old preachers used to say, that for each of us, we need to remember that we were made on purpose, for a purpose, for such a moment as this. And for that reason, he created you with all that you have, with all of your gifts, to be a partner with him in the kingdom of God. again thank you for joining us this week we hope that the service was a blessing to you and we're so glad you worshipped with us this sabbath please let us know where you are joining us from you can send us a message on our social media on facebook on instagram on our church website and we pray that you have a wonderful week and god's richest blessings go with you